this is where I'm supposed to tease the show and let you know what's coming up on it. Instead, thank you for all of you that listened to the last episode and gave me the feedback that I was some kind of voice of reason and comfort in the aftermath. We'll talk about it more on this week's Corey Truax Show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening. And I think you would agree the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. For a ton of people, the 2020 election cycle, particularly around the presidential race, was a really emotional time. And even if it wasn't an emotional time for a given person, they were watching other people in their lives have a very emotional time around it. And so I think that's what drove a lot of you, a handful, several, to send those messages. And I just want you to know I'm grateful that that you say things like that. Because it's a goal of mine. A goal of mine is to take anything that's happening in the culture right now it happens to be elections and put it in its proper perspective. You know, I, I used to say all the time that one of the themes of my show, I wanted it to be that it was big minds. No, no, it's uh, small minds talk about people, medium minds talk about events, but the, big, but the big minds talk about ideas. So we wanted to get behind the ideas. But I, more and more, I find that, that while that's still a theme, I add to those themes. And it's, I think it's for me the, the old hymn. It's the, to turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full on his wonderful face, and here's the key. And the things of earth will go grow strangely dim. So that right now, that's an election result, the things of earth. Well, th- that matters a lot, it really does. But in light of his glory and grace, it matters less. Well, this diagnosis I got, this job issue I had, this economic uh, cur- catastrophe in my life, this familial issue, yep, these are all huge, absolutely huge. Uh, riots in the streets, the the state of our culture in in disarray, ethics in in business and in in Hollywood and in music just falling apart. All, all of these things are big. Wait, in the light of His glory and grace, and things grow strangely dim. And while all those things matter, and I don't ever want to denigrate that they matter. There's some perspective I want to bring, and thank you for all of you who have affirmed that. I feel it, I appreciate it, and thank you. Thanks for listening to The Corey Truax Show on his radio talk on Saturday mornings or Saturday evenings at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. You can also find the show wherever you find podcasts, and I hope that you will. I also get to serve as the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church is in a fantastic series on the book of Revelation, and you should come out if you're not already part of a church family, a church home. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 in Greenville. If you're in the area, you are invited. Here's something I wanted to get to quickly. I woke up the Wednesday after the election, and maybe you heard it in my voice last week, because I, I recorded last week's episode on, on that day. And it was apparent to me then, by the time I got to the microphone, that I thought Joe Biden was going to win, I said so. And there was other results coming, coming in, and I looked around me. I looked around the internet. I looked at people I knew and their and reactions, and it seemed like no one was happy. The because it seemed like Trump was down, but the left feels like they didn't get affirmed in their the, the repudiation they wanted. I actually heard someone on NPR on the way home to record my show. He was some random voter in I think Nevada, and that's what he said. He, this, it is, this feels like a defeat. He was a Biden voter. It feels like defeat because we were looking for this r- true repudiation. And 
I had to search my own heart later on because I remember thinking, why? I don't feel sad about anything. I actually feel really good. Why, and why is that? Let me search my own emotions. I did that over the, like, over the weekend, Thursday, Friday. I ended up sharing that with a friend on, on Saturday morning at breakfast. I figured out why I felt happy. And it's not good. This, this is a character flaw. So when you hear me say it, you're going to go, Corey, that is terrible. Listen, I know. If you haven't picked up from me the last however long you've been listening, that I am, I got my problems. Then You haven't been listening closely enough. I realized I was happy because it felt like both sides lost. And when I say sides, I don't mean rightism and leftism. I do mean Trumpism and leftist wokeism. Those two, those two religions I've been talking about. I've been to, I have done several shows now comparing wokeist leftism. There is a religion out there opposite and, and, and opposition to Christianity. And then there's a Trumpism where he is held up as some kind of religious figure. And it felt like they both lost. I actually remember one of the more hated on posts of the 2016 election is I, I think I just wrote... I hope they both lose. It's, it's supposed to be cute and funny, right? Because it's, it's not possible for them to both lose. But I feel like that's actually sort of what I got. They kind of both lost. And so here's, let me, so here's what I want to uh, itemize, okay? Because don't get mad at me on any side here. It, it does feel like, to me, intersectionality, the idea of victim classes... Not looking people as, as individuals, but instead putting them in their racial group, their income group, as victims of uh, white supremacy and the patriarchy. That backwards, unbiblical worldview, it got rejected. If you, if you haven't seen from Politico the reports of Democratic Congress people on a call with Nancy Pelosi after they lost a bunch of seats, they're, they're infighting was if you're like me, and again, I know it's, uh, I think the word is schadenfreude, schadenfreude is when the, the German word, when you revel in someone else's dis, or misfortune and it's not good. But I'm just trying to be honest, guys. I'll work on it. I'm just being honest about how I felt. But listen, listening to Rashida Tlaib and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez types trying to say we, we needed to be more woke and more intersectional and hearing a, a congresswoman from Virginia, Virginia, Democrat, saying, you almost lost me this seat with your defund the police stuff. I, I would have walked away with this seat. I almost lost because of you. And hearing them say, and as the Democratic insiders are saying, this was the stuff that drove out voters against us. And so it does feel like the 1619 Project, uh, leftism, so, like the socialist big re- Big Green New Deal, what's it called? Green New Deal? Whatever it's called. It feels like that stuff lost, and that's cool. Because, you know, like even Joe Biden, the guy who wins at the top, he was not a purveyor of those things. So that felt good, like the left lost. And then it does feel like Donald Trump lost. And I, is as good as he was for policy, and I'm not going to run from that, he, he got connected to the right people, and as a matter of policy outcome, it was pretty daggum good four years. I'm not, not, not ever going to apologize for, for saying so. But there was a, a repudiation of him. And not, 
I'm not talking about the vast majority of his voters. Because I, I believe the Trump cult, the, 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 real, the folks that really are attached to him in an emotional way, I don't think it's that big. It's a few million people. But of the 70 million people who voted, vast majority were just using him as a tool, using him as an instrument. He was an instrument against leftism. He was an instrument against predations and vicissitudes. He was a instrument in defense of, of liberty and freedom itself because you know what the left wants to do to liberty and to freedom. And so, but there, there, is, there is for me a, a good feeling that some folks who put all their trust and all their, their hope in this person, well, there is a good rebuke. That's a good repudiation. Don't do that. And to the behavior. And so I finally figured out, like, why am I so satisfied and okay with this result? Oh, it feels like both sides lost. That, that the, at least, I think it was Mitt Romney said on one of the Sunday shows, that conservative policy didn't lose. Like, he, Joe Biden wasn't even running against it. Joe Biden was running for the soul of America. So I think that's why. It feels like, it feels like my, my ideas, my philosophy, which I think are the best for people, it's the ideas that will bring the most human flourishing. Those didn't get repudiated, but the other things did. There was also some other repudiations that this felt like, and I think why I, my emotions were so... I wasn't particularly high about it. It was just I wasn't upset, and it seemed like everyone else was upset in some way was the prosperity preachers and prophecy types, they were repudiated, that were calling months ago, weeks ago, Donald Trump's going to blow blow out. The Lord, is, the Lord has given me a word. I, it's good for those folks to be shown for the charlatans they are, the heretics they are. Another repudiation that I enjoy is the, the God and country types. That you have the folks that tend to associate the American flag with the Bible. Like, they, they put the two on the same on the same pedestal. That's, again, I don't think it's a big group. It's just one of the many idolatries. There's lots of idolatries, and one of them is God and country. And so, there are some important repudiations that happened, and I think I figured out my emotions about why I reacted the way I did. Now, speaking of emotions, I want to reshare with you something that is a secular tool but it has its use. The, the Lord is good to give us things like mental health professionals and those that do social science, and all they can do is discover things that God put into place. And for some of you, I, and maybe, you maybe it's not you, maybe it's someone in your life that you can use this with. Remember the stages of grief that we have accepted as a people in the Western world, that there are stages of grief. That when something happens that you grieve over, you first deny it. It isn't happening. I refuse to accept it. And then it's anger. I'm angry about it. I'm going to express that anger that this happened, this thing that I didn't want to happen. Number three is bargaining. That you, you try to negotiate with it. Starting to accept it, but knowing you're not going to get what you want, that some bad thing that you don't want is, is going to take place. Then depression just being super sad about the outcome, and then finally acceptance. And I think there's some chunk of Americans somewhere in that cycle. And to the Americans' credit, I think most uh, people who are quite attached emotionally to the, to the outcome 
thing that's part of my issue too is I'm, I wasn't attached to the outcome emotionally. I didn't go into that day wanting any particular thing except that leftism not be given so much power that they can break the country. They can just, they, they can break apart the structures of the, of the country that we've built. And the, the most of the Trump people, I think most of them are on to acceptance. There is, I guess, still some, some questions. And again, when I'm recording versus when you listen, there, there's still some questions about the outcome. I don't really have a question about, about the outcome, but the, I, I would commend Trump people for so quickly processing processing it. And also this commendation. I'm going to toss it out there. I, I don't like living in the meme world. Actually, I love memes. But a lot of times memes on the internet are very simplistic and they're not, they're not making sophisticated arguments. But there is there are a lot of memes right now amongst Trump types and conservatives uh, that are asking questions like, well, when do the riots start? I've never done this before. How do I loot? Because that's that's the that is a leftist behavior in the United States, and that's not what's happening. There isn't rioting and looting and bad, mass bad behavior because of an election result, and that is to be commended as well. When we come back, I got a couple listener submissions. Some some still about the react or the, the vote counting and what's going on in this election. So I want to come back and do that, and then I do I do have a lot more. I mean, this is a big election. I want to get deeper. I want to think deeper about it and how people are reacting to it, overreacting to it. So we'll do that when you come back for the rest of the Corey Act Show. As I record, while the media has technically declared a winner of the presidential election, I do acknowledge for maybe even a lot of you listening, technically there is not a winner yet. And I want to get into some of that content after a couple items, and so stay tuned for that. First, my name is Corey Truax. Thanks for listening to the Corey Truax Show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. You can find me, Corey Truax, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Maybe you will find me on Parlor soon. Apparently, that's the next thing. So great. Another social media thing to manage, but I might be doing the Parlor thing. Apparently, it is growing with conservative people, conservative audiences as a Facebook and Twitter alternative. I have created an account. I have no content on it, but uh, you should do this Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's where you should find me. And I hope you will. I'm I'm also going to do a quick plug for this. Some of you support the show financially. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And some of you who have, my my numbers guys have been so good going into this election. I, I'm starting to, I, I wonder do some of you do some of you go away because election season's gone and you go back to regular life, or is uh, did some of you come to me because you know I'm a conservative voice, and now that some some leftist or liberal things are going to be happening, and you might come to me to get get ready for your uh, for your argument, like to 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 to, to do that thing I do, because sometimes I mean people have said this to me in the past. Uh, they come to me because they know we think the same thing and they want to know the, the way to say it. What's the effective way to say the thing that we both believe? And that's what I do. So, hey, maybe stick around for that, but I am going to say it. If you, if you listen on the Anchor app, on that app, Anchor, there's a way to support the show, even a dollar a month. I, I'm, I am actually doing it. I'm asking you to do it. If you enjoy the show and you think it's worth it, I do mean a dollar a month is, is worth it as, as the, as the uh, audience grows. All right, we got to get you some content before... I do any more commercializing. All right, so uh, overreaction. 
there's, there is a great deal of overreaction to this. I'm not surprised because people get very attached to election outcomes. I, I will admit, though, uh, I, I like to be fair. The overreaction is still primarily on the left. Think back to January 2017. There was that Women's March thing that uh, maybe Donald Trump is... I don't even know if he was president yet. Maybe it was the day... Yeah, the day he was inaugurated. Like, so you know his character, but he literally hadn't done anything yet, and there's mass protests in the streets. And then... I think that was uh, I think that was actually where that very famous video and picture was taken of women literally on their knees in the street just screaming at the sky like a a ritualistic pagan practice of grief just get together and scream at the sky and it it was this overreaction like yeah he's not a good person you don't need to go through religious-looking ceremony to express your grief. Goodness, calm down. And the left went crazy. And it's also them now that he's lost. Now that he's lost, the level of celebration is, is like, or assuming he's lost. Again, I, I think he has, but it's not technically the case yet. Assuming he's lost. The level of celebration is insane. It's just a guy... Not a good guy. He's just a person. He was in your life for a little while in a really distant way. Calm down. And the, the, the right as well, I would say to them. Uh, the, I, I saw somebody uh, who, I don't remember who it was. I saw a, a Facebook post, Instagram story, something. Where someone went on a hike or went outside. And someone's, their caption was, go outside while you still can. Or something about... Yeah, go, oh yeah, use your freedoms while you still can. I was like, uh, Joe Biden's not going to ban hiking or being outside. So calm down, everybody. Let's, let's be calm. There, there was this idea of freedom on the right now. Freedom itself has died. Well, chill. Freedom has been dying. We have become a less and less free people over time. I do expect a Biden presidency will make us less free. By the end of it, we will be a less free people. And also things that he imposes regarding COVID reaction will at least set a precedent that maybe other leaders use later to make us less free. That's true, but freedom didn't die on January 20th, assuming Joe Biden is president, you know what you're still going to do? You're going to go to work. You're going to go to church. You can still go hiking. Okay, so the right has has done some overreacting, but not like the left. And I think that is, uh, I think here's why. When I talk about political idolatry, it happens in right-wing philosophy, but it happens more on the left for this reason. On the right, there is at least still a veneer of religion. And some folks on on the right are actually genuine believers who are practicing their faith and following after Christ. And so there's this real eternal idea. There's a a real religion. There's a real faith. There's a real relationship to invest in and find meaning in. The left is secular primarily. And even the religions that they put on, let's, let's be honest about them. There's... 
uh, they are the old mainline that they're just part of a culture, like the the same way someone born in Italy just says they're Catholic because they grew up in a Catholic family, but they don't practice or believe anything of the Catholic faith. So the, the left is primarily secular. And so when you're looking for meaning, a place you find it, you find your meta meaning, M-E-T-A. If you want to Google that word, I think it's a good idea. Your meta story, your meta narrative, your meta meaning. How do I have significance in this world and leave a mark on it? Well, for the left, they're going to find that more in government than the right will because the folks on the right will find meaning in other things. And so, of course, the left overreacts more because government is so important. Government is where I'm going to find my meaning and leave a legacy and all that stuff. So, the, so I want to talk a little bit about remedy here. So here's some things I found. I found in one personal conversation that one of our deficits that makes people so freak out and overreact about uh, elections is that we have a real civics deficit. And I thought the civics deficit, by civics I mean knowing your country, knowing how your government runs, knowing the systems and structures, the philosophy, the history, knowing our civics. That used to be a class, I think, in high schools. There's, I, I thought that civics deficit was primarily in my age and younger, but it's in the folks older than me. Like there, there does seem to be a big chunk of people of all ages that really thinks the presidency is an omnipotent position. It's, it's a very pagan feel to it. That whoever is president is supreme leader. And so there's obviously a lot of emotion attached to it when you think if this person becomes the president, they can do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and that... That A, B, C, D, F, and G is an imagination that, and people's imaginations go off the rail and what, what has to happen to respond to the fear is just learn some civics and we got to teach it. But, like there, I actually had a personal conversation where once I put out there information on, on social about how Republicans are almost definitely going to keep the Senate. Nobody got enough power to really do much of anything. This person was genuinely relieved, but also surprised. Like, wait, well, hey, the president can't just do what he, what he wants? No. Presidents can't just do what they want. We have a lot of checks and balances, guys. And we got to help people. If we're going to be part of the, the solution, we need to help people realize a lot of their fears uh, aren't legit, and they're not legit because they just don't know. They don't know the, the, the civics of it. There's, there's other remedies. So on the left, what needs to happen mostly is, I'm not saying every left-winger is an, uh, a totally secular person outside the faith, but in, in part, what needs to happen with the left, uh, the gospel preached, and find meaning in the eternal. And then if you want to do that in a secular way, find meaning in your family, your community, and stop putting it in Washington, D.C. For some on the right and the left, civics, just teaching what, the, what is the presidency? What can it do? What can it not do? Will help bring down some of the temperature. And then here's my last remedy. And I, I want, man, I got left and right people, more, more, than, more conservatives, obviously. Listen here. Everyone listen to me for a second. You don't even need to have ancient history to recognize a lot of the fear is unfounded. In just my lifetime, we have enough history to look back on and recognize 
You know, I don't think any president's going to wreck the country. I don't think they're able. If anyone's going to wreck the country, like really tear it down, it's going to be us. We'll do it. We, the American people, will do it. And it can't, it can't be one president. So one of the things I was trying to get people to understand about this guy, he's just Donald Trump. He can't ruin everything. He's one person. Like We don't have to feel that kind of power around the presidency. It's one position in a very large federal government. That's the civics part. But the hist- the, go, go through the history. I'm going to make some of you really mad right now, but only a few. The 44th president of the United States, Barack Obama, it, without question, is the most ideologically radical person who has ever been president. He truly hates the United States to the core, dislikes the founders of the United States, resents the Constitution, denigrated the Constitution of the United States, was an anti-capitalist. All of the stuff that made us us, Barack Obama hated that stuff. He was a true radical philosophically. And we're still here, guys. We made it. He was president for two terms, eight years. Oh, and there was damage done. There was definitely some damage done. I mean, I, th- I think about the economic damage done, of the how slow that recovery was coming out of that recession. That hurt people. It affected people's lives. Philosophically, it, it might have affected the American people in that he changed how a lot of people think about the relationship of the individual, the individual American to the government, what the government should do for the individual. And we had another war. We, we were bombing people we shouldn't bomb in Syria, and we actually got involved in a war in Libya. What is the enduring effect of Barack Obama's administration? It's actually one of the things that he should be embarrassed about. Your endur- enduring legacy was the Affordable Care Act. Something that will ultimately either be overrun by something even further left, or God help us, let it be something with some free market solutions. But something that's already been dismantled, that has you can't call it a success. Like that's we had the most radical. Ideolo- most ra- uh, ideologically radical person who was ever president of the United States was president for eight years, and we we're all fine. We all live. We're good. It's in part why I felt, I, I can feel so sang, uh, sang was not the right word. I can feel so emotionally unattached to either Trump or Biden being president because I watched him be president. <laughs> Neither Trump nor Biden is the ideological radical Barack Obama was, and I, I just think we're going to survive because I, I have the history. From another direction for you left folks or just for some of us, uh, like me, I'm on the right but have a, had obviously a lot of issues with Donald Trump. I think we could argue uh, if Barack Obama was the most ideologically radical person who's ever been president, the most erratic, uh, let's go with a non-ideological, just a real Machiavellian type. I mean, Trump is a, doesn't really believe much of anything, doesn't have a core. I would argue probably by character, the maybe the worst person who's ever held the office. And not only are we here, everything's fine. Like we we actually had a booming economy and a lot of good stuff happened. So we've had 12 years of the presidency being occupied by a, an absolute radical and then someone who doesn't really believe anything and didn't know a whole bunch coming in the door. We're fine. Guys, look around at your life. We're fine. Everybody's fine. Let's take down some, take down the, the, the temperature around these things and help people do that. 
from either directions, remind folks on the right, hey, you lived through Barack Obama. <laughs> You'll be fine. And say to folks on the left, you just lived through Donald Trump. The, like, the, what sh- you know who should be getting a lot of love right now? The founders of the United States of America. They built a system and structure that Barack Obama couldn't break and Donald Trump couldn't break. How cool. Good job, Washington, Adams, Madison, Jefferson. You guys did great. Way to go, James Monroe. I'm so grateful for you and the systems and the structures that you created. And as you know, the Constitution, Constitution was might maybe written in 1787, but we've amended it so much. It's now been written by the American people over a course of centuries. And we, the people, have set up this structure that, no, that these folks can't break, and that should encourage, encourage us all. That's what I'm trying to do here. Uh, my, I would also mention this. My, my pastor, also my big brother, in this Revelation series, had a, I don't want to call it an application point, but a, an exegetical point from the text, but something we can learn from the text this week that g- greatly encouraged my heart. He talked about quickly, because we don't talk a lot of politics. That's not a thing we want to spend time on. We want to spend time on the eternal, but... In this moment, he said of this election, whatever the outcome, it's the outcome that is best because the Lord is sovereign and he's doing whatever is best. And that's hard to fathom. Of course we can't, like the vastness of God, being able to to know, hey, whatever the outcome is, is it the best one for me? Yeah, and if, if we measure the best as being made in the image of Christ, that's what's best, not what makes us comfortable, not what makes us most, uh, mo- most happy or what in the moment, or, uh, or I guess comfort is a good word. The thing that makes us most stable and comfort in the moment. Sometimes that's not what's best for us. And I, not only did Doug say it, and it's true, but I believe it. I, be- I believe that. And it f- it's such a comfort around these things. That's what, whatever's happening. It's the best. It's the best thing. Oh, that's also the theme song of the show. It's This is the best thing. It's the best thing that could be happening. I'm going to go and take an early break because when I come back, I want to, I do want to take a question I, I was given about the perceived and, and maybe real shadiness around some of the, the vote counting, some of the confusion around the vote counting. Um, and, oh yeah, I do want to do this. One of my themes has been there's a lot of fear. Folks on the left fear the right. Folks on the right fear the left. Well, I want to I want to go ahead and help you articulate something that if it comes up in conversation about why there is fear of the left, I want to tell you why I think that's a justified fear that if they ever are given full reins of power, why, why there are things to fear there and therefore it would be in the interest of people to go about seeing to it that there's not true full left-wing governance at any given point. We'll do that and more when you come back for the rest of the Corey Truax Show. Welcome back for the final segment of the Corey Truax Show on His Radio Talk and wherever you find the podcast. Thank you for doing so. I want to talk about the actual voting. I have went ahead and settled. Again, I don't know when you're listening, but I am totally confident that... Joe Biden has the votes to win at least one more state. And that's all he has to do is win one more state. Even if throughout this litigation process, a bunch of ballots in Pennsylvania are disallowed and Pennsylvania swings back to Trump, I don't think Nevada is, and I don't, or, or all, all of them, because it would take all of them. Uh, all the states in doubt would need to switch to Trump. That's how, that's where Biden is. He just needs one more state. And then I, I did do the work. I went to Politico and real, real clear politics to see 
how many more ballots were expected, where they were coming from, historic trends about how many would likely come in for the Republican versus the Democrat. And I just mean mathematically. Mathematically, the chances that, even after with some lawsuits, well, some I guess there, there's, there's always the scenario where there's a mass ballots thrown out. I just can't imagine. That would be such a weird thing in the United States of America. So I'm convinced. But it is technically not the case yet. And so there's discussions all over the internet and on your TV about what should be happening with vote counting. And I have at least my own thoughts recognizing with some humility, which I very rarely have, that I could be wrong. But here you go. Here's my thoughts. And I wouldn't mind hearing yours. This should be uncontroversial. Count every legal vote. Throw out all the illegal votes. So whatever the law is in that state is what what should happen. What I'm convinced of is that if we do that, Biden still has the votes to at least win one state. That's what I'm... I think we should do all of that. We should go through the process, especially for establishing credibility for future elections, especially if mail-in balloting becomes a big thing like it was this year. Like, if, if COVID-19, COVID-19 might have introduced a world of mail-in balloting being big. And so we need to, uh, we need to evaluate that and uh, make sure we finish this process to help instill some faith in the process in the future. So, count every vote. Disallow, I mean, you're going to litigate it, you've got to take it to court, disallow all the questionable votes. And, and then... I, make, make a new plan for mail-in voting? This is going to have to be a discussion coming up here soon. F- for example, I, I think what I've, from what I understand, Pennsylvania is counting votes that arrive after Election Day. And I think they're, what their law says is as long as it's postmarked. So the post office has marked the, the, the piece of mail, the ballot, in the post office, like this person did do it on election day and then put it in the mail, they're counting those for some days after, some amount of days. I think it's three, it might be more. Well, we need to decide if that's what we're cool with. If we are going to do a lot of mail-in voting, each state needs to decide, is that, is, that, is that reasonable? Is that a reasonable policy? If it's the law right now, it's the law. We should follow whatever the law is right now. But going forward, I don't want it that way. My argument would be, there is election day. We have federal election day. We have stretched the day to make it earlier in that a lot of states in the three weeks leading up, you can vote absentee. There's, and then some states have early voting. And so we've moved your opportunities to vote. We've stretched the calendar backward, not forward. And so we've actually become much more accommodating of voting not on election day, but it has to be before election day to the extent that I'm, I would want the system to be election day is the deadline, just like uh, Cinderella and the, the slipper and the pumpkin and all that at 1201 or maybe when the clock strikes midnight. Yeah. When the clock strikes midnight and it's now Wednesday morning, if your vote isn't in the building where votes are counted, not in mail, not, not in transit, if your vote is not in the facility where votes are to be counted, your vote doesn't count because you weren't responsible. You, if you waited that long, that's on you. You were not responsible with your vote, and now your vote doesn't count, and that's your fault. 
you either should show up on election day or you should have mailed it earlier or use those two or three weeks before election day to go in and vote in person. But now that your vote has come in after election day, it should not be counted. Now, again, that's not the law right now. And for all I know, and I don't, I don't have the math, for all I know, if that were the law, then Biden loses. If that were the law, that if, if your votes come in after election day, then you lose. Uh, excuse me, then, then your vote doesn't count. That's a possibility. It might change the map. So we, we got to decide what our policy is going to be, and I would advocate for what I just said. Advocate for election day is the deadline. If your vote is not in, your vote doesn't count. A, a couple other voting thoughts. We also need to recognize the hypocrisy in how folks on the left are behaving. So I, again, I think the election's over. That's, that's the math that I've done. I think the election's over. But the, the reaction of the left to people on the right having questions about the election, it's, it almost makes me laugh a little when they, when they do it so with such righteous indignation. I, I remember riding around after the 2000 election, seeing bumper stickers even in South Carolina that said, selected, not elected. They, because they questioned the legitimacy of George W. Bush's election in 2000 because of what happened in Florida. I remember the Michael Moore documentary called Fahrenheit 9-11? Fahrenheit, I don't remember the name. Fahrenheit something. Where he argued that there was an election stolen in Ohio in 2004. That Bush stole it. He cheated. Not only did Michael Moore, just a liberal movie maker, do it. Howard Dean, the former head of the Democratic Party, went on TV and said that there were questions of the voting machines and that he thought George W. Bush stole Ohio in 2004. And in left-wing circles like the Daily Coast, Daily Coast, however you pronounce that website, they've been doing that for years. They've been saying when Republicans win elections, they always say they stole it in Florida and then Ohio in uh, in 2004. Guys, Stacey Abrams lost the gubernatorial race in Georgia in 2018 by like 30,000 votes. In her speech, she specifically said the words, I do not concede. I accept that there are no more legal remedies to pursue this, but I don't concede the race. And then at the Democratic National Convention, they included her on a panel of governors. She is a no one. She holds no office. She lost a governor's race, and they are still saying she won the race. So the idea, the pearl clutching and the panicking of how dare you question election results? Do you mean like you have for at least my lifetime? Because you're, you're the ones who made up all the Russia stuff. So I don't have, I, I made clear on this episode, I got no affinity for Donald Trump. You made up a bunch of Russia, Russia election interference stuff. So again, all the pearl clutching, can we stop? Just recognize there's hypocrisy here from the left on this. And the, the right thing is to go through the process and litigate ballots by whatever the law is right now. And I, I'm just saying that if we do that, Joe Biden will be president. But we do need to go forward and ask well, the laws that we used to govern our first ever mass mail-in election. This was the pilot program. This was the premiere of having almost 100 million people vote by mail. Well, let's ask some questions. If we want that to be part of our voting infrastructure, how should we handle it going forward? But the way we have it right now, I'm basically positive it's, it's going to be a, a Biden win if we do that. Now, I do recognize this. 
there is all over the internet, all over certain parts of the media, folks that see uh, videos of things that trouble them regarding vote counting. Examples are the that one place in whatever state it was that put up poster board around the windows so people couldn't see what was happening in there. Of course, of course, that's a bad look. It's a it's a bad look for people not to be trans. Very literally, don't be transparent. They're being the opposite of transparent. I believe the word is opaque. The the videos of or excuse me the the, the fact that there had to be a lawsuit to have Trump people. Uh, called poll watchers, poll observers, for them to be admitted. For the fact that Pam Condi, Condit, however her name is, uh, she was the, I think, Attorney General of Florida for a while. She actually had to go with a court order to wherever she was. I think it was Wisconsin, it might have been Pennsylvania, to get access to those ballots. Yeah, all that looks very sketchy. I totally agree. I think it's, there's some things important to remember here for the stuff that looks sketchy. Number one, remember that humans are the ones doing this. Humans are messy. Humans are not uh, are, are often not excellent. And so you're going to get some behaviors and, o- and overreactions to, to inputs uh, that are going to look bad because humans make bad decisions. And we've already seen some of that uh, in terms of how, these, how, how the vote counting has taken place. There isn't any argument from the Trump campaign that their lawyers are being kept from the rooms where votes are being counted. The uh, the one I mentioned a minute ago, the Florida woman, she had that one case, but she wasn't just trying to get into the room. She was trying to get observers into the room too, so she had that court order. And so there isn't a situation where you got just a bunch of Democrats in a room making up votes for, for Joe Biden, or at least we don't have evidence of that. And we don't have complaints from the Trump campaign that says their lawyers are not being allowed in the room. There's an army of lawyers, just like there was in Florida uh, in 2000, that are, are on both sides out and out there in, uh, in the rooms where votes are being counted and tallied. Observers, I guess, need, I guess need more access. I'm comfortable with observers not having a ton of access as long as the lawyers are in the room, as long as that's the case. I think it's also important, if you are skeptical around these election results, it is important to start remembering the margins. Eventually, the margin does get too big that voter fraud or tampering, it's, 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 it's not super easy to do. Not easy to do in, it's definitely not easy to do in mass. And so if you have an election that's being decided by a couple hundred votes, well, yeah, maybe. But if you're having an election being decided by 10,000 votes, all right, there might, yeah, there might be some fraud going on. There could be something really bad going on. But uh, the, the margin's too big. The margin's too big for even nefarious people to affect it. I think it's also important to remember who runs elections. It's one of our strengths, actually. One of our strengths is that we run elections so locally. I think I've told you this before, the Russians said that of the 2016 election, that they wanted to interfere more. But when they started making their plan and collecting intelligence, they found out, oh, you guys don't run one big federal election. You guys run like thousands of elections in little precincts around the country, and then you report all that up. So it happens on the most local level, and then it reports up. And so in these in these 
precincts. It's, it's just your neighbors. Your neighbors work there. Just, just random people. And c- consider this. Uh, especially in the hotly contested areas. I, I'm, not, I'm into politics enough to know. There is strategy about even trying to get particular poll workers. The, the precincts that are going to be the closest, you, you put people strategically there. And particular lawyers and poll watchers and the, you know, the, the, where my uh, poll is here in Easley, South Carolina, we are an, an overwhelmingly Republican precinct. There's no reason for any Republican to ever worry about this precinct to come out here and watch. But if it's a swing precinct in the in suburban Philadelphia, well, yeah, it's going to get a lot of attention. And so remember, it is those are just random people in Philadelphia. Those are random people in. Atlanta, these are just your neighbors, just regular Americans, not necessarily partisans. They're just out there working, working the polls, counting, counting votes. Lawyers are involved. And what litigation, I mean, there's already been a flurry of litigation filed. You gotta, we, we should let all of that process before we make any other decisions. So I, I understand skepticism around what you're seeing, but remember those things. And I think that, I, I hope that helps in processing that. That was a question from a very, very good friend over on Facebook. Hi, Taylor, if you are listening. All right, I have five minutes, a little bit less. One of the driving, the driving factors of this election was fear. And I don't, uh, I want to be not a person of fear. I want to be a person of power, love, and a sound mind. I want to be able to cast my cares on him because that's Jesus, because he cares for you. That's what I believe first Peter uh, one, two, or three says. And so I, I don't want to be that person of fear, but I also want you to be able to articulate, if you are like me ideologically, what is the thing that would motivate you so much against leftism that you would vote for this person that I, f- I found so objectionable? So the person in your life that says, I can't believe you vote for Donald Trump for these reasons, and if you wanted to respond, again, I didn't vote for him, but if your reason was because the left is... It makes me nervous. I want you to have some. I want you to have some talking points. So here we go. Leftism is worth trying to keep from power because the United States of America is so good for humanity. We've been good for this continent, but we've been good for the world. We are the most significant people group. To, for, to, for the betterment of, of humanity, of any society in history. And we've got our problems, but it's, we, we're, we've done more than the Romans, the Greeks, or the Ottomans, for, in name any other group, for the world. And it is our ideas that brought those about. And I fear, I would regret, I don't ever want to lose the ideas that led to that much happiness and prosperity, that led to that much peace and safety and security. And what I know of leftism is it does not believe those things. It does believe America to its core is rotten. It believes America to, America's ideas to their core are evil. That America is not founded on freedom, it's founded on racism. It's not founded on liberty and individualism, it's, it's founded on the patriarchy. And I know leftism believes that and they hate the ideas that have meant so much good for so many people. And then that builds out into their philosophy. The philosophy of rightism is to accumulate power so you can leave everyone alone. 
because we believe in people and we love people. And the thing I want maybe most, except for the gospel of Jesus Christ to get to their ears, the things I want for people is to be free. It's the best thing you can be. Go be free. Pursue the family that you want. The wife, the husband, the kids that you want. We want to pursue freedom to go get the jobs that we want to take care of those families. We want to educate those kids in our home if we want, in our Christian schools if we want, in our charter schools if we want. We want to be able to be free and safe. And one of the ways that we think that we're going to be safe is if we can protect ourselves with the weapons that the folks that might want to hurt us would have. We want to be free in our religion. Not just to go to our churches and worship, but we want to be able to publicly identify as our faith and not be punished for it by the government or those around us. We at least want that. We want the freedom of association, of inclusion. That we want to be able to say the things we believe in public and not be canceled. Not to have our lives ruined. Not to be told that we are a bigot and we have to be put outside of the society because we just want to be free. And we want that for everyone else. Because being free, is there, is there anything, I guess there's got to be something better, but man, it's, it's that state of being for a person, it's because we believe in people. Man, if you, if you could just get freedom, I believe in you. I believe in what you can go do. I believe you can make a life for yourself. And what we know of leftism is it doesn't believe in any of that. It tears down the family. It hurts our ability to go earn the livings we need to take care of those families. It wants to shut down things like school choice. It wants to end our ability to protect ourselves, practice our religion anywhere but our churches. And it does want to exclude people. It's very exclusionary. It's very censorious. It wants to ruin the lives of those who oppose it. That's at least a two or three minute version of why leftism does need to be opposed. And maybe now going forward in a new world, as it resets, maybe we can come together and do that with some effectiveness, and I'm hopeful that we can. I'll be back with another new edition of the Core True Act Show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.